0: All right. Well, Father, thank you again for this day. Teach us this material. It's so important. I ask your blessing on all of the students as they study and get familiarized with uh, the contents for the exam we're handing out next week. And just pray, God, today as we look into the question of evil in our world, would you give us insight in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. So what is the problem with evil? And don't tell me because it's really bad, Pastor Mike, because I know that. If you have, if you read the, cha- how many of you read the chapter? Raise your hand. Chapters. Chap- Chapters. Appendix well, one. Okay. I thought Appendix one was for next week. No, it's no sorry, it was Appendix this week? 1. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, so you might want to turn to that chapter in Cocase Christianity, and let me ask you this. What he says in that chapter, what is the problem of evil? It can be stated in one sentence. In evil, just kidding, never mind. <laughs> she was only just kidding. This, whatever comes out of your mouth, or if you don't know the answer, then whatever comes out of my mouth. Is what this class is going to be all about. That's a significant significant question is what is the problem of evil? As an atheist, people say, I will never believe that there is a God because and they tell you the problem of evil. How would they say it? Okay. Fair enough. Why would a good God allow evil and suffering in this world? Let me state it a different way. If God is all powerful and all loving, why does he allow evil or suffering and suffering in this world? Okay, so because if he's all powerful, then that means he can stop it, but he doesn't. So he apparently is not all powerful, they say. If he's all loving, then why doesn't he stop it? Because doesn't he care for the people that he has created? So then why does he allow evil? He apparently is not all-loving. Therefore, I'm going to conclude that this God of yours, of you Christians, he's not all-powerful or and he's not all-loving and therefore your God does not exist. Do you understand what I just said? All-powerful on one side, all-loving on the other. Now he might be all-loving, but he's not powerful enough to stop the evil. This is their argument. He might be all powerful, but he's like the Greek gods. He's part loving and he's part, he's part good, part evil. So they allow the evil. Or this God would allow. So he might be all powerful, but he doesn't want to stop the suffering because there's a part of him that's evil and he likes torturing people. Okay? So he's not all loving. So all powerful All loving. So, if you're taking notes, you make sure you have those two things down, because I think that might be on the test. Okay. All powerful. Why would an or how could an all powerful, all loving God allow evil? Now, the when he he in he takes several pages to introduce this issue. Did you have a question comment? If God, did allow, I mean, if God eliminated evil from this earth, mm-hmm. then be no point in Christian if He eliminated all evil, mm-hmm. then that means there would be no evil in you and there would be no evil in your neighbor, and everything would be good. That means the curse of evil would more than likely have to be lifted, and guess where we would be? We'd be in heaven. So that will happen. It's just not going to happen now. Now, did I answer your question? I'm not sure I did. What was it anyway? It was like, if, if there was no evil in this world, there would be no purpose to be a Christian. Um, so but see, look at it this way. If there were no evil in this world, everyone would be a Christian. Because if there's no evil, my understanding would be clear. I'd be able to look at creation and say, duh, of course there's a God. I would be able to look at the Bible and there'd be something inside me that would say, yes, it would connect with what's written. This, God wrote this. He didn't write the Koran. He didn't write the Bhagavad Gita. He didn't write Confucius and what he wrote. God wrote this. There would be something inside of you that would scream, this is written by God. And of course, you would then read it and believe it. So everyone would be a Christian. But evil clouds are thinking comes up with excuses for our sin and we end up suppressing the our our own wickedness and the righteousness of God to think that we're righteous, we're okay, we don't need God. And Romans 1 says that no one will be able to stand before God with an excuse. So if there's no evil in this world, will there be a need to be a Christian? Well, of course there will because I need God. I need Jesus in my life. Now, the problem with evil. This is a very limited way. The atheist, what the atheist proposes is a very limited way of perceiving or understanding the problem of evil. To the point of being naive. Okay. It gives you only two options. Either God is all loving but not all powerful or god is all powerful just not all loving and god is both which means we need to understand the issue of evil much more okay now um number 1 and i'm pretty sure he brings it up in this chapter but it's really important for you to know this question might sound like an argument against God. It is actually an argument for God. Can someone tell me why? Do you understand what my question is? The atheist says, he's looking around and seeing all this suffering, and he concludes, therefore, there cannot be a God. Look at all the evil in the world. But what he says actually demonstrates to me That there is a God. Isn't that ironic? Why is this? Really, really important question. Because your atheist friends are going to... This is going to be probably their main argument against believing in God. And yet, the rebuttal... And I'm going to give several. This first one... Is like a slap in the face. Wow. The very fact that I have a problem with evil tells me there is a God. What? Your atheist friend if you say that your atheist friend's gonna look at you like, Are you high on drugs right now? Your thoughts, Laura. Um, we are made in God's image and God is the opposite of evil, he is purely devoid of evil, and so because we're in his image, it would be unnatural to us. It would be against and the whole, the whole reason why we think something is evil and we don't like it is because we are in God's image. Okay. All right. You're on the right track there. Because we can recognize... Did you have a... Hosea? I was just okay. God defines good and evil. Okay. So, so evil you've got evil. part of the answer there. Okay. For someone to recognize what is evil... What does that mean? Absolutely. Because we're comparing it with something. So if I'm going to say there's an evil, then I must say, because I know there's a good. Well, what good is there? Because the bottom line, the atheist does not believe in good and evil. And yet his very question belies the fact that he does believe there is a good and evil. You see, the atheist says that we are the result of evolution and the issue of morals, right and wrong, is totally opinion. And yet they're outraged at the Holocaust. They shouldn't be. They are outraged at Stalin's killing of 10 million Jews. They're outraged at child molestation and child abuse and anything with children that would hurt children, there's something inside of them that says no. They're appalled at, generally, not everyone, but appalled at treating someone because they're smaller or a different color than your skin or poor rather than rich, treating them horribly because of that. There's something inside of us that rises up and says, "There, that's an injustice. Where did they get that? Now, Laura was talking about, Hosanna was talking about this image of God, but I want to say even beyond the image of God, it is because as Victoria is saying, they must believe that there really is a good out there and not just a good, but a perfect good. Because how else am I going to recognize? If I just know a little bit of good, I will only recognize a little bit of evil. So how do I know that stealing's wrong? Every culture believes it's wrong. How do I know that murder is wrong? Every culture believes it's wrong. Why? Okay. It's because there's, because they believe that there is a good and not just some, not just kind of a quasi good out there, but there is a perfect standard of good. And that's what causes us to recognize what is evil. Anything opposite that is evil. Now they may not know the perfect good, but there's something inside of them that recognizes there must be that. What is that perfect good? It has to be God. All right? Now, this is actually in the chapter. He, he deals with it, I think, in only one paragraph. So when your atheist friend says, I cannot believe in your God because he is either not all-powerful or he is not all-loving because he allows evil in this world, you can say, well, because you even recognize what is evil, you must recognize that there is good, and not just some good, but a total, a really good good out there. And that's not you and it's not me. It must must be gooder than you and me because you and me still do evil. But there is a measurement of good out there and you know that. But an atheist does not agree that there's good and evil. But this person's telling you, no, there's an evil out there. There's injustice in this world. So argument number one is for them to... Proposed this question. And it's a very valid question, but the problem is you have to believe in God to truly accept the question. Okay? Because you believe there's an evil out there, which means you believe there is a standard of good out there as well. Alright? Comment? Question? Um Bible says that God um, put his law on our hearts. is that go for everyone or just Christians? That's good for everyone, but understand that our our the image of God in us is broken so we can perceive good and evil, we just can't perceive it perfectly. This is what the Founding Fathers called um, nature or the law of nature. Now, that's not going to be on the test, by the way. Um, the law of nature is our personal conscience. And so they appealed to both the Bible and the law of nature for their laws okay now another reason why um god himself can be all-powerful and all-loving but still allow evil and that is why does god allow evil So why, let me, I'm going to ask you, why is there evil in our world? Free will. Free will. Meaning we have a choice to either, to do either good or evil. It's just that we choose to do evil. Now, when you start getting into, that's moral evil, natural evil. Christians have an answer for that. It goes back to Genesis 3 in the fall. We call that the curse tornadoes that kill people floods mudslides that kill people forest fires in california that are killing people insects that when they bite you or poisonous frogs that when they come in contact with you can kill you all right these are a result of the fall it's not god's fault god didn't create them that way but because of our sin it our sin permeated everything in the universe and it's what we call the curse all right now, I'm not going to get into that too much, but it's because there's evil in the world because of free will. Why did God allow free will? We're on answer number two to this question. Why would God allow evil uh, for us to have free choice? Why is that so important? There you go. Did everybody hear that? Yeah. Victoria, you are on point this afternoon, girl. Good for you. Want to love like I'm sorry? <laughs> good. I'm not going to high-five you, though. Forget that. <laughs> Thank you that as a robot, you parroted what Victoria said. Very good for you. All right, Samuel. <laughs> okay, so if for tr- there to be real love, there has to be an ability to choose it. Can you understand why? That if I say that I love you, but I'm only saying it because I'm compelled to because this guy's got a gun to my head, and he says, Tell him that you love him. What are you going to say? I I hate you (laughs) and get a hole through your head? No, I love you. And even though he, even if he sees the gun to your head, You think he's going to say, oh, that means so much to me. Thank you. I love you too. If he does, it's only because he's got a gun to his head too, right? So we understand that love is birthed out of free will. Now we're getting at the real reason why God even created us. God created us to love him. So if God created us to, because God is love, what he creates must be able to experience love. If he's going to make us in his image, which was his desire, then we're going to love. But how can we love if we don't have the free will to? So God gave us the ability to love, but the backside of that, well, it's actually not the backside. It's, it just opens the door to evil. He gave us free will. So if God gets rid of all evil in this world, we would become robots. Now, in heaven, we will have the ability to choose. We just would never want to. And I'm going to say that emphatically. You're not going to wake up one morning, oh, maybe I do want to do sin. You won't. That desire to do sin will be gone. It will not be there. And so we will love God out of a free will, but the choice of evil is so repugnant to us, we would never do it. But God created, that's in our glorified state. We're not there. Adam and Eve was not there given free choice they chose to sin and everything broke loose at that point now so any any questions with regard to that victoria That is a huge topic that I can't answer today. Isn't that a Calvinist mindset? Uh, But she asked it in a question form, so I can't say yes or no. Calvinists would say you can't. Those who would hold more to an Arminian view would say you can lose your salvation. But I'm going to tell you, if you really want to know what I believe, then go online, click on sermons, and you'll get a drop-down menu. Go to theology class and look under... I think it's two, there's two lessons that deal with the whole issue of the possibility of apostasy. Um, find some way to to do that, okay, with a supervisor or whatever, whatever. Okay, you you can do that at our house because I know you guys don't have internet. Go go to some place that has internet, super, proper supervision, whatever your mom has rules in line, and and go ahead and and it's probably going to be about. Two to three hours of discussion. That's why I can't touch on it right now. Because to answer that, I would want to be fair to both sides. Uh, you'll find out on the class. on Online. Now, so the question then, do you guys have any, this is answer number two. Do you guys, and, and it is the very reason why God permitted the possibility of evil. Now, I'm wording it. Now, you might even want to write it down that way. It's not that God created evil. It's that he created the possibility of evil. Okay? God did not create darkness. He created the possibility of darkness. What is darkness? This is just an illustration. What is darkness? Darkness. the absence of light there you go so the isaiah says that god created darkness but what he means by that is that god withdrew light it even says that he created evil but what he means by that is he withdrew goodness and what's left is evil god did not create evil he's not the author of evil we are okay so anyway god did not create evil god created the possibility of evil because he created the possibility of love. Do you guys understand it? That is at the very heart of this argument. He could not create the possibility for love and not create the possibility for evil because, as Victoria said, free will. So do you guys get that? Really, really important. This, if there was one topic in this entire two-semester class, this would probably be the most important one that we get, because as Christians we wrestle with it too. Now we we would need to go one step further, and we would need to ask then the question as as a Christian. So why does God allow evil? And then why does He allow it in my life? So we understand He allows evil because we do. We need free will, but. Wow, I totally lost my train of thought right now. Um, give me one second. I'm backing up in my mind. Wow. Just totally. And uh, OK, so as a Christian. We are wondering, why did God allow this evil? And there are many reasons why God is going to allow evil. Okay? Let me, let me. this is what came to my mind. Let me give you an illustration so that you can understand this. And then we're going to get to the point. we can ask the question god why did you allow this evil in my life why didn't you stop it have you ever asked that question before god why didn't you stop this evil now if all of you were totally honest you would all be raising your hand right now because we have all asked that question it is when we look at evil in the world wow and and then we look at what happened to us ah, i had an evil happen to my life today (laughs) And I broke part of my wife's car and just trying to replace it. And that's what my wife was talking to me at the door. And I need to make sure that the fix is really a fix. Otherwise, I've got to spend four to $500 to do the whole thing. Because something happened to her radiator. Man. Here is the thing, though. If we're going to say, as a Christian, you know what, God, if you really loved me, then why did you allow this evil in my life? We would then have to say, because the way we're posing that, we're posing it as if we're saying, God, if you loved me, then you would have stopped this evil. In other words, apparently in our minds, if God truly is loving, he is now obligated to stop that evil in my life. Okay? Policeman fires a bullet and it hits your brother, and he is done, he's dead. Wow, God, why didn't you stop that? You took someone from me that I really loved. And that is tragic. But when we start saying, God, if you really loved my brother, you would have stopped that bullet. You have redirected it just six inches or whatever it was, two feet. Why didn't you do that? We are now, we must now conclude That God is obligated to stop all evil. If he's obligated to stop one, he's obligated to stop all. Do you understand that? If we're going to put God on the hook for one incident, God, why didn't you just stop that? We were posing it as he's obligated. He's obligated out of love.